This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Buka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 127 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have the first of a three-part epic folk tale from Scotland, this is the tale of Cunnel Yellowclaw. Cunnel Yellowclaw and his three sons and their pursuits of the brown horse of Lachlan. But first, if you are a new and indeed returning listener, thank you so much for your new or recent or ongoing support. If this is your first episode, why don't you listen to this episode and then head right back to the very beginning, over 126 episodes ago, and to see what we've been building up to over the journey of Fireside thus far. And if you are a returning listener, as always, thank you so, so, so much for your continued support. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. It's the best place to get in touch with me if you want to check out my poetry or any of my other work. I have email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media. And if you want to join the intimate Fireside community and gain access to bonus episodes and content for Fireside, please do support over on Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com for as little as €5 a month, although you can pay more if you so choose. You can gain access to not just bonus material for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. So the story for this week is... This is one I found a few months ago from Joseph De- Jacobs' collected books of Celtic fairy tales. And it was one of those tales that was... It's very rare that a folk tale will be too long to adapt. It'll usually be too short, if anything. But this this was the first folk tale I'd encountered. I think we did two parts of... What was the tale that... Um, of Also of a character going to Lachlan... Um, it was the two parts of Sean the Barnoiga. That was the first time we had a folktale that was more than one part. But this story of Connell Yellowclaw seemed to perfectly divide into three. Because it is very much one story, but it is also three individual stories. Or, if anything, four with three. It is one big story with three subsections. So I thought I'd experiment and see if it worked as three, three individual parts, if there was enough in each part. And I think there is, having having completed the three of them now, uh, and I'm actually very happy with them. This is an incredible linky device, not unlike the Hawk of Ackle episode we had last week. We'll talk a bit more about all of that afterwards. But here is the first part of the story of Connell Yellowclaw on Fireside. Mm-hmm. 
O'Connell Yellowclaw. There was once a valued tenant of the King of Leinster named Connell Yellowclaw. He had three sons who were all good friends with the three sons of the king. But one troubling day, Connell came home and found out that his sons and the sons of the king had come to blows. By which I mean they had gone out for pints and had had a falling out over sport or romance or one of the many things men fall out with each other over. But these being the days when you would always leave your home fully armed, the sons of Connell Yellowclaw had incidentally stabbed and killed the eldest son of the King of Leinster. Connell himself was heartbroken as he read the letter from the King. Dear Connell, this letter gives me no pleasure to write. You have always been a loyal and valued tenant of mine. But today I lost a son. And justice, and indeed vengeance, must be served. However, I have realised the shedding of more young blood today will bring me no peace. So I shall release your sons to your custody in good faith. And in exchange, I want you to travel to the land of the King of Lachlan. Bring me the brown horse of the King of Lachlan. Bring me the horse, and I will consider our debt settled. Connell Yellowclaw wasted no time in having a ship prepared to sail for the Nordic shores of Lachlan, the Irish name for Denmark in those times, and also sometimes the Scottish islands of the Hebrides, but in this story it's Denmark. The king was true to his word, the sons were released, and with the first wind the next morning they all set sail. After a long, rough, and increasingly icy voyage, Connell and sons arrived on the shores of Lachlan. They soon found lodgings for the night at the home of the king of Lachlan's miller. Connell took his life and the lives of his sons in his own two hands when he asked the miller, Here, will you please help us steal the brown horse of the king of Lachlan? Hearing the full story of the difficult position he was in, the miller empathised with Connell Yellowclaw, but he was also loyal to the king of Lachlan who had given him a good life. He replied, If you can somehow get in and steal the horse and can get yourselves back out again, I will smuggle you off Lachlan's shores. But I have to say, I think the whole thing is a bad idea. Connell suggested, What if the next time the king's soldiers come to collect grain from the castle, you stash the four of us in four sacks of grain? Then if we're caught, we can say we snuck ourselves in. You won't be culpable. That is actually not such a bad idea, replied the miller. So the next morning, the king's gillies arrived to take away four admittedly very heavy sacks of grain. But as a soldier never wants to appear weaker than his companions, no one said a thing about it. Successfully smuggled into the palace, Connell and sons waited until nightfall before approaching the stables. The horse was not hard to find. This colt was truly magnificent in size and coat, but it was also young and unbroken. When they attempted to bridle him to take him away, the horse let out a sound that perforated the ears of the walls themselves. The pained whinny of a horse is a truly indescribable thing. It is almost prehistoric. Immediately, the would-be burglars were surrounded and brought before the King of Lachlan. The King knew of Connell Yellowclaw, who explained his miserable plight. He had been forced to steal the King's horse to save the lives of his sons, and now he and his sons were all at the mercy of another king. The king nodded as Connell told his story before replying. 
This is indeed a hard situation you find yourself in, Connell Yellowclaw. To be facing the hanging of you and all your sons. But if you can tell me a more sorrowful situation that you have found yourself in, I will spare the life of your youngest son. Connell Yellowclaw hardly had to think about this harsh and bizarre request before launching straight in to the following story. When I was a child, my father sent me to bring in one of his cows and her recently born calf. But while I was in the field, a snowstorm covered the land. I took the two cows and myself for shelter in a bothy and settled in to wait out the storm. But the bothy was already occupied by ten cats. And these were no ordinary cats. They were all intelligent and could speak as well as you or I. But it's not much speaking that the cats did. Their leader was an orange and white wild cat with one eye. He served as their head bard, it would seem. And the wild cat said, Let us all make a cronin for Connell Yellowclaw. A cronin is what we would call a cat's meow king in, in Irish, Oscailge. But I was far more surprised that these cats knew me at all, much less that they were now going to sing for me. But as I said, these cats could speak, but not a one could sing a note. They wailed and moaned in something that seemed intentionally unappealing. But once the song was done, the head bard said, Now, Connell Yellowclaw, what will you give us for that cronin? I told them I had nothing to offer but the yearling calf, and the cats immediately set to work devouring the poor cow alive. The poor thing didn't last the beasts long. Then their bard said, Don't be silent now, my siblings. Give another cronin to Connell Yellowclaw. They began to caterwaul again, even more screechy and unpleasant this time around, and likewise afterward asked for a reward. I hadn't wanted them to sing for me in the first place, and soon I had to watch them all devour the other cow as payment. You can probably tell what happened next. They sang again, and when I had no more cattle to offer up as a reward, it was looking like Colonel Yellowclaw was going to be on the menu. So I dove out the back window of the bothy, back into the snowstorm, and ran as fast and as hard as I could. I eventually found a huge tree that I climbed to avoid leaving further footprints in the snow. The cat soon gave a swift pursuit, and each one walked past my tree, blind to what was above them through the haze of the blizzard. But the head bard stopped and looked up. He said to the others, I see more with my one eye in my head than any of you do with two. Connell Yellowclaw is above in that tree. I think we should get him down. So each of these eleven cats began to dig at the bough of the tree to bring the tree down to devour me alive like my poor, poor cows. So I did what any brave young boy would do, and I cried out for dear life. Three times I let out a cry as the cats began to dig and climb up to seal my doom. One cat actually did make it to the top of the tree, but I managed to kick him off, and he didn't land on his feet, and he died. But I didn't think I would get that lucky again. But, fortunately for me, 
A local priest and his gang had somehow heard my calls and had found my tree under siege from several cats. The priest and his posse set to work brawling and chasing away the cats. It was no easy feat, even for a group of adult men. But yes, you ask me, King of Lachlan, to name a more troubling day than today. And to be sure, the prospect of being mauled by magical, feral cats seems a little bit worse than the hangman's noose. The King of Lachlan had listened with glee to Colonel Yellowclaw's tale. Satisfied with the response, he said to him, That is indeed a sorrowful tale, Colonel Yellowclaw, but a worthy tale nonetheless. The life of your youngest son is hereby spared. Now, if you can tell me of another troubling incident you have found yourself in, I may even spare the life of your middle son. Colonel sighed. This was going to be trickier than anticipated. So he shuffled through his memory for another story to save the life of his middle son. To be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Dublin Podcast is basically Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher. It is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day. Suzanne Kane, slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra-liberal lunatic headcase me, PJ Gallagher, doing our best to put a smile on your face. It's a midlife, it is literally a midlife crisis podcast. Start from next week, we'll have 10-15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week, which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting. Excuse me. And you can sign up together on headstuffpodcast.com where you'll find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with all brilliant topics. Material, and apparently. loads of great bonus material that isn't us, but stick with us too. Thank you. And that is the first part of the troubling tale of Connell Yellowclaw on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. I really, really like this story. Um, I, wish, I wish you all knew what happened already so I could talk about it straight away. But the first thing to talk about straight out is that this is one of my favorite subsections of stories, which is stories about storytelling. In this story, the stories are what has the power. They are the currency in this. Because you have Colonel Yellowclaw, his sons get involved in this brawl and end up killing the son of the king totally outside of himself. And he has to save their lives by going to steal this brown horse from the King of Lachlan. We cannot help but uh, think of the brown bull of Cooley when we think of the brown horse. I think of any brown animals that were gone to be to be stolen as uh, being a cause of immense plight. We have them get over to Lachlan. I should say that this story was originally from Scotland, as might be clear from the presence of things like a boffy and, and reference to words like gillies for soldiers and the like. But it is found in... Uh, Joseph Jacobs' book of Celtic fairy tales, where it very much is set in Ireland, and so I I kept it in its Irish setting. So if it is a Scottish fairy tale, as I said, Lachlan, which is a 
appeared a bit. It has appeared in Sean the Bono again, a few other stories. Is sometimes listed as Denmark and is sometimes listed as the, the Hebrides, the islands there off the coast of Scotland that are share their allegiance with Scandinavia. Um, we have a case there that if it is a Scottish tale originally, perhaps Lachlan is the Hebrides in this scenario. But because of the Irish connection and the Celtic connection with the Vikings, I can never help but set any story in Lachlan or any mention of Lachlan and think of it as Denmark and think of it as the Nordic Norse lands. That's just where my mind goes and what feels the most authentic to me. And having dipped our toe into Norse mythology and having mentioned Vikings from Lachlan in previous stories, it feels good to be going back into my shoddy Viking accent and my shoddy Nordic accent, which uh, did not once ever get me a role on the TV show Vikings, despite auditioning for it like seven or eight times. It just feels good to be back into that shoddy kind of almost half American Scandinavian accent. So apologies for any Scandinavians who may or may not listen to this podcast, but uh, I do my my do my very best. Um, but we have so we have Conal Yellowclaw going going to Scotland, or going to Lachlan, going to Denmark, to capture this brown bull. And they're captured, and they're all facing the hangman's noose, and he has to tell these three stories to get them out of trouble. The first thing is, very like the Hawk of Ackle, as I said at the beginning of the episode, in the last episode of Fireside, we have almost a framing device here. Like with the Hawk of Ackle, that could be a framing device for all of Irish mythology, the meaning of Fintan MacBochra and this Hawk of Ackle both telling each other the entirety of their 5,000 years and how they have been affected by all of the happenings throughout the Irish pantheon and Irish folklore or Irish mythology. We have a very similar case by total coincidence with Cunnel Yellowclaw, where we have this opportunity of this framing folktale to sell to tell these subsequent folktales who knows how many of these kind of tales Fintan Mop or Connell Yellowclaw has he's asked to tell these three sorrowful tales but he could be asked to tell any kind of tales so you nearly have, will have an opportunity to tell so many stories from Irish folklore as this framing device here very like as I said before with Shahrazadi in the Arabian Nights the A Thousand One Nights in One Night telling all of these tales to this to this sultan uh, over the course of these a thousand, these a thousand and one nights, we have another potentially where Conal Yellowclaw could be our own Shahrazadi, and he could tell all these stories from Irish folklore. But what is the story that he does tell? The first one he tells is a story about these ten cats, which I love so much. Once once I got to this tale about the cats, I knew straight away this this had to be more than one episode. This. This had to get e uh, an episode dedicated to each of these stories because they each are so different. They all feel so authentic, but they all feel so different from each other and different to other stories we've done. So we've had more and more references to cats since we did the Bard and the King of Cats and uh, the big the big cat and the big rat. Enchanted cats, enchanted feral cats, have more and more of a presence in Irish in Irish folklore. But these ten cats, this this basic biker gang of cats led by a head bard it's said very specifically in the story it's a head bard of these cats and they occupy this bothy which is uh, 
that again was a very Scottish thing, but like I'm sure there there has been buffies in Ireland as well. It was basically kind of a servants' quarters that was left open that any laborers who were doing some work on on a private land that they could stay in as much as they want. Just this kind of cabin in the woods that was always left open that anyone could stay in. And that is where the name the Bothy Band comes from, the great, great Irish Irish trad band, Donaloney and Matt Malloy and all the boys. But in this story, we have these ten cats occupying this Bothy and led by this head bard. And whether Cunnel Yellowclaw wants it or not, they are going to sing for him. And they can speak as humans, but they sing as cats. But still he is goaded into giving them this cow and her young calf and then when they have no more they come for him itself and he's chased up this tree and he's saved an interesting thing to think about and i'd be interested to hear if any of you thought about this while you were listening to it is that is colonel yellowclaw making up the stories or not that is a question that i think becomes more relevant and more interesting with the subsequent parts of this story but maybe that's where your mind went to straight away. Maybe it didn't until I said it. But it's something that has been rattling in my head. And I do think it's interesting because Colonel Yellowclaw has to save the lives of his three sons. He has to save them from hanging. There is so much on the line here. The stakes are very high. But he's being asked this impossible tale. You know, there's a there's a great ethic ethic to this story where He's asked for a more sorrowful tale than the prospect of all three of your children being killed. Which you couldn't really imagine many things worse than that or even nearly as bad. So it would make sense that he would start to imagine and to make up a tale. But that is also incredibly risky, especially on the fly. So I wonder, does he do what a lot of storytellers do do, is that this is based, there's a kernel of truth in this story. Perhaps one night, Connell Yellowclaw got trapped in a bothy with a group of cats who could not speak or anything. And over the course of that night, he fashioned this ta- tale, or as he was rushing through his memory on that day with the King of Lachlan, asked for these stories, he thought of this this night spent in the Bothy, and he thought, well, that was a pretty bad night, but it's not quite this bad. I'm going to need to build it up that bit more. I just find it a very interesting dynamic because this is a, a story about storytelling. I think that is an interesting question for it. It's like, is Colonel Yellowclaw making this up as he goes along, or is he someone who has had all of these incredible experiences throughout the life? I mean, he does seem to be famous he is famous to this king of Lachlan who doesn't want to kill him and doesn't want to hang his sons. He was famous enough to the king of Leinster to not just have the sons be hanged in the first place. And even, it seems, when he comes into the bothy in the story, in the tale within the tale, the cats seem to know Colonel Yellowclaw. So he is immensely famous, even as a child. So he does seem to be this kind of... Uh, isn't Daniel Boone, who's there's uh, like Johnny Appleseed, there's the like the characters from American folklore who suddenly are become larger than the tales themselves that everyone knows Colonel Yellowclaw. To us, he's not someone I had known before, but he is an incredible character to have here. 
And from a writing point of view and an adaptation point of view for these stories, what I really like and what has been quite refreshing is that this is a tale pretty much told in the first person. You're leading, you have all of the, the preambulons and the exposition of what happened and how we've led, we're led to the court of the King of Lachlan. But then from then on, Colonel Yellowclaw takes the first person and it's him telling the story. And I really liked that. There was some, there was kind of a naturalism to that I could lean into and a more natural conversational tone, imagining it was me telling the story that had happened to myself. And that I found really interesting adapting and certainly while reading it felt like a different kind of color you can give not necessarily better or worse but a different kind of tale definitely so i'd be interested to hear if any of you had any thoughts and on anything like that the um there is something quite greek or certainly quite mythological about this tale as well the idea of this odyssey this voyage there's something, you know, folk tales, not always, but can be, are often quite intimate. You know, a story about one person and maybe extraordinary things happen to them, but it is usually that one person going on some kind of journey, often internal in some way. But here we have this kind of epic scale, this this odyssey, and notice it only gets more odyssey-like as it goes on. And I do think that that is... That's probably all there is to talk about with this this first episode right now. As it, the more I talk about it, the more likelihood I am to to spoil the subsequent parts. And the chat after each of these stories will will feed on the the one that preceded it. And having recorded now this first one, I am so glad that I gave this the the three episodes that it is going to have. And I'm not going to do I'm not going to do a myth next week or or the week after. I'm just going to do these the three weeks of this story now. Which also feels good because we've we've kind of come through towards the end, I think, of our stories about Fintan Macbokra, and it's going to be an interesting decision as to where we go next with the podcast because I'm in a very much a transitional period myself at the moment. As I said last week, I'm back in rehearsals for World of Musicals. We're going out on the road to Australia and New Zealand for five months. Let me know if any of you are out there and want uh, tickets to the show or want to... Uh, are about would love to see some faces there and uh, love to meet some of the listeners from that side of the world or even Irish people who are living over there. I uh, I realized that there are about five or six people from my class, literally my class in school, who are living out there who I'm hoping to, to get along to the show. But so I'll be taking the podcast on the road and have my setup fully ready to go now i'm delighted with this mic quality finally that i've got after experimenting around this akg i've been using that i was using over in america but using my best friend's version of and now i have my own one using it as a handheld has i think was the game changer i thought it was going to be it makes it a very different makes it a very different story to tell and I feel a lot more of a freedom. Like I can understand that people might feel a bit more inhibited if they had to hold it, but maybe it's from gigging and doing a bit of stand-up and just the idea of holding a mic, it does have a tremendous effect, whether good or bad, it does have a, a different effect on performance. And I'm finding a lot more of a freedom, so I hope that does come across. But 
what I'm saying is that that has so that is what my my setup has been and and is going to be for the next six months and probably for the for the rest of Fireside now. But it'll be interesting to see what we do while while I'm out there. There are a few things I still want to do. I still want to fill in, keep filling in the patchwork quilt, revisit revisit the Fenian cycle and the historical cycle and the Ulster cycle, and because we've had another few stories about the mythological cycle and all of these stories of Fintan Bokra and all of these invasions that happened before and leading up to the mythological cycle. But I'm very interested to see what what other corners we've missed in the other cycles of Irish mythology as well. But I also do want to adapt stories from the Mabinogion, the stories from Welsh mythology, because I'm actually traveling. Uh, a dear friend of mine is in the cast this time of World's Musicals is Welsh, and he's wanted to explore his own mythology so much. As well as mythology is very much a Celtic mythology Ireland is very dominant in it. I think it would work very well for Fireside, but as I said before, it is a very different language and it's not one I would want to butcher in my Irish tongue. I would want to get the names and the places at least right, so it definitely does require a different tact. As always, I do appreciate when you guys send your suggestions in um, there's also also going to be a lot more content on on Headstuff Plus as well. It's been a very very busy busy time for me. I'm coming to the end. I've been doing this year long course um, that I am finishing up next week as well. That uh, has really helped Fireside, but it's just made it very very difficult to keep on top of things. But I, I I'm back back on top of things again. I was falling a little bit behind, or just was riding by the seat of my pants. But I'm very happy with the place. I'm back in with Fireside now. So hopefully we're not going to slow down anytime soon. We're going to keep going. Uh, we're nearly at 300,000 listeners over on uh, Audio Boom, which is, which is exciting. So hopefully going to keep on building up to that. And with that, I will wrap things up. So thank you so much for all of you listening. I hope you enjoyed the tale for this week. Thank you so much to Alan, Paddy and Connor, everyone over at Headstuff. Thank you. Uh, please follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Join the Fireside community at Headstuff Plus over on headstuffpodcast.com. I will see you all next week for part two of Comal Yellowclaw. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the Fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.